On the 4th of January, 2021, one of my best friend's fathers committed suicide. I could not travel to be with him to mourn. So I sought to find a way to lean into this process, to get within, enacting a shiver from distance. The shiver being the seven-day Jewish mourning ritual where the family hosts their friends and family and we grieve together by talking, thinking, eating, drinking and questioning together. The distance meant this process was endured over a longer period. It is ongoing, in, continuum. This is a record for trying to understand his loss with him and to find a way for ferrying emotions across borders, working from the space of within. Call it a lament. Call it a meditation. I am calling it a smuggler's guide to loss. In the end, it is an attempt to speak and attend to you, to them, to all the lost. Fourth of January, nine twelve a.m. We spoke on the phone two nights ago. You asked about how we deal with low feelings, of the points when one feels they are a failure to themselves. You mentioned your father, your worries. You asked if perhaps he felt he had never felt to be the man he wanted to be, which made me think about how we come to be in attendance to who we are, to where we are, to what we are. You wondered if this was a question of being present, Words and letters matter most in these instances. Our memories begin with words. Our stories trapped in objects that unfold the gestures we use to maintain these fragile and necessary relations. Two days on from our phone call, he is gone. And you are asked to attend to the space left. And I am asking if I can attend to you. Attendance is a chain of personal relations, a queue of bodies lining up to rest their arm on the one in front, dealing with the affects of their histories, using their spare hand to encourage growth from the ash, a physical bond that manifests itself in non-material ways. But dust and air are materials too and roses and monuments grow in places where we never expect. Our bodies are the roses and monuments. This is what we are attending to now. The body that rests is remembered by the body that stands in line, breathing air, sharing words, inscribing letters, and ensuring the days that pass are made up of details that allow spaces to be filled and thoughts to grow. I attend in the remnants of my presence at the same time as I enact my presence.
13th of January. The words do not come to me. A sadness creeps in. The cold bites at my bones. Your fortune is presented in kind gestures. I hear whispers that the news will not be good. We present iterations of care. A boundary surrounds the attendees. We sit on every chair the house has to offer. You mop the floor, I iron the sheets. A solitudinous feeling compounds the future. I return to preparing the notes for the future event. The event becomes a site for the sitting of my first play. An unwritten play of bodies delicately managing a void that is a void of the body that cannot attend. This site opens itself to those who wish to enter. Everybody is welcome. Every body is welcome. A selfless host. A sonic temperance washes the ground. The ground lifts its ears. I dip my ear towards the noise, only to hear the meaningful dull of those who ask for the right to not have to speak. 14th of January. I attempted the dance moves you sent me but my coordination failed. So now I am picking up the shards of a broken glass and tiptoeing around the room. Try lying on the floor. It is good for the back. Try bending down. It is good for the knees. Who knew energy was internal, not reflective? Who knew the longer we remain in one place, the longer we are left questioning our attachment to anywhere? Twentieth of January. The gift I said I would send you all those months ago. Did it arrive? Broken or not, it will do its due diligence if you ask it to. Take care when handling it, as its fragile state makes its edges more dangerous. Know that it is addressed to you, only you, only ever. You. The winter tiredness will creep up on us soon enough. We will need each other. All these words are meant to address that. The gestures we enact are there to tend to the spaces we cannot attend to even if we tried, for we cannot stand in one place like statues. And I never have found a statue that knows how to attend the way wind, rain and silence do. 21st of January. Our attendance is a trace, existing for just enough time for our bodies to begin to enact the gestures that pertain to living. The everyday tasks of managing the details of making time, of preparing breakfast, lunch and dinner, of breathing, of listening, of talking, of reading and thinking, of walking, of bathing and sleeping of cleaning and tidying and of observing all the spaces that constantly worm their way in between this. I am working to find a means to make this work, the work of attendance work for us, so that when we need it, we can live side by side with the spirit within and the ghosts that we are yet to know.
22nd of January. I carry you in a small bag at all times. An inscription on my hip. Third of February. Even from this enforced distance, I want to carry this weight for you. A rock on our shoulders. Together we move, flowing in oily liquid, cooking quiet dinners. I read of falling olive trees in one of my homelands and ask if it is their time too. I wonder if in our slow motion, carrying one another, we would have been able to save them. I think how I could smuggle them to new sites, make them stand again, standing for unfallen, liquidating their centuries of knowledge annually, touching radial arteries. When the time comes, we will converse in great detail, the way trees converse in great detail under the soil. Our touch is a conversation of centuries. The conversation passes its goods between people without detection, a subtle contraband of loss. Twelfth of February, ten fifteen a.m. The last few days, I discovered Irit Rogoff's theory of smuggling, wondering if this could provide the pathway in and beyond the fugitive state. Both provide ways of being, ways of receiving guests, an awareness of the constant exchange that formulates the means of existence when residing at the edge. As you know. I am determined to remain in proximity to the periphery, to refuse the centre. And I will, I promise, speak more of this refusal, but at a later time. As for now, I must insist we work on being the smuggler, which means understanding that our bodies are contraband too. That our bodies, these intergenerational containers, carry with them the contrabanded knowledge passed between us. A language so deeply woven in that to be able to speak it, write it, Transcribe it means reformulating it, or perhaps even rediscovering it, so as to reinvent it. Our languages are not as old as we think. They too needed reinvention. Lost in their way through the years of migration and movement, of being contraband, the language we use and the language we desire are now embedded in formulations of the place we have adopted. To find my own language, I have had to use the languages in place to invert and covertly suggest their failure, to work from within the space, not without it. Rogoff writes, We begin to recognise that the traces are everywhere, that our daily urban environment is fully inhabited by them, that those who are not recent immigrants also inhabit the sign systems of displacement and can read them, are habituated to them, quite as well as they can their familiar inherited ones. This is an act of smuggling, an embodied criticality acting outside structures of representation and objectification. If ideas as Rogoff understands them are objects, then I want to dare to say that the language embedded in my body is an object too. For I desire to be an object in migration, or even that I am an object 
conditioned by migration. Yet in saying this, I produce an encounter with the law, encountering the very articulation of who the law is for, who the law allows to exist, and even who the law dares to see. Our conversations are contraband. I trust you as their keeper. I ask in our exchange for you to care for these words as objects. Because I have been conditioned to be on the move, and therefore I cannot and may never be able to guarantee their safe storage. Yet, this binding together is what enables us to find one another and others. A fragility that demands interdependency. And it is this very fragility that fascinates and holds me. For I see how each conversation is a transaction of fragility, a subtle economics of friendship, a quiet system of gesture and the responsibility of hospitality. Within each smuggler's mindset is the awareness of their participation in a quiet community and their need for refuge. Every refusal asks for safe refuge. And so, once we know that we are offered refuge, we can think about trading in the spaces that exist in the periphery of a regular economics, the centrist economics that demands we all behave and move towards the same goal, the same aspirations. An economics which benefits a particular kind of practice where a certain illegal legality is maintained, whilst another is regarded as threat. I am this threat. You are this threat. These ideas are this threat. Our grief is this threat. And when you and I encounter spaces, these threats demand action. But it is quiet work. These actions are not announced. It is work that attends to the storages of silences produced within. Grief is within. And I am attending to yours so it does not express itself without an ear. Seventeenth of February. Will there be a mass vigil once this is over? I have been lighting candles when no one is looking. Twentieth of February. These dates, these times counting them for rhythm, for routine. To remember that days have passed and still the absence remains. Still the one who we have lost can never return. So we return over and over again to the date. A secret to our silence. The toast burns on the uneven days. This day and that day they are significant. I called your phone. Making out that libations would whimper off and my dreams of sitting under willow trees in spring were coming. Your tears made sounds through the microphone. These dates so sweet, these dates so juicy, these dates that are not real, forgeries forged for the sake of remaining on track, remembering that there are those to whom counting days meant counting lives, counting days means counting the minutes of life. 
the sweetness of the date turns in the mouth becoming paste, dissolving into a flood where you are waiting. Twenty second of February, six twelve AM. Something came to me last night whilst metabolizing this notion of the smuggler. From now on, I will reply to the question of what I do with the answer, I am a smuggler, confirming that I am a person who is on the run, that my presence in this moment is temporary, yet that I am always here, existing in the periphery. I am then inviting a preciousness of the moment into this conversation, instantly calling into question another person's ethics, their own position and relation to what they consider the law. In placing myself as an outsider, I radically call into question all those with whom I interact. I place myself in a fragile position, for I am confirming that I am prepared to run, to move, that in fact I am always running and moving, always preparing to take my body elsewhere, carrying with it all these contrabanded conversations, all these bodies' words. What I began to understand is that this notion of confirming oneself as a smuggler can be more than a means of refusal. It can be a bond to the fugitives in our past. This statement where I say, I am a smuggler, refuses a status, refuses the desire to conform to status. For being a smuggler is not something one should declare or have documents to support. And in making this confirmation, stating my illegality, I articulate a desire to find a way to move out of a system of regulation, one where control and authority are constantly affirmed, constantly made present, and where I am potentially forced to break my bonds. The smuggler is a route towards a kind of freedom. The question within this is to find a way through these systems of control and find you instead, employing along the way a constant foregoing of my own right to have control, letting go, giving myself up to the secrets of our bond, the hidden activities and space that the smuggler is engaged with, in essence, relying in the trust of a network of exchange. So, we pour the remnants of our morning coffee in a glass each day as a reminder for those who can't be here. performing these hidden activities or behaviours, functioning in the silence, allowing the silence embedded in the smuggler's activities to summon the silence embedded in mourning, passing the point of being named, of desire and comfort, and instead committing to residing in the liminal space, the space of proximity to absolute silence. This distant shiver is a form of this kind of space. A matam could also be a form of this kind of space. These silences offer up the proximity to our shared histories, histories of escape, of being on the run, of being fugitive, and the grief that follows. This process of foregoing control is confirmation for togetherness, to interdependency, where we place ourselves in the hands of others, where we allow our grief to have space to flow and express. Smuggling becomes a method for understanding our difficult bonds, the ones we must never forget that are scattered by trauma and suffering, 
the events that call us, which are what remains without remaining. I can therefore move from place to place between sites where death resides within the excess, enacting these quiet, subtle practices as behaviours, developing my method. Twenty-eighth of February, nine thirty-three a.m. Thinking about this, I remembered reading Gillian Rose's words, and it came to me that what I am calling smuggling was once considered desertion. She writes, "The mournfulness of the creaturely being set in language and deserted by God experiences the world as excess of signification without salvation, which is." The meaning of worldly aestheticization, not truth as beauty, but ornamentation without truth. The desertion that exists within us, the feeling of being in the desert seeking meaning, is the chasm where the lament resides. It is our inheritance. Our search for meaning is now in a state beyond the desert, in that we exist within the world of oversupply. Where our objects are considered devoid of meaning, produced and manufactured solely for purpose, one cannot exist outside anymore. We appear from within space, from within language. To become the smuggler, to affirm my futurity as a fugitive, is to increase my proximity to objects, these ornaments, showing that in their movement they too collect memory. They too desire to articulate the silence and the scream. Our objects lament now. I am in a state of constant lament, moving things in the silence, working without noise, asking for help, hospitality, and communion. I am the smuggler of the lament. When I tell you of my refusal, I also tell you that I am refusing to lean away. I am refusing to be seen, and instead, I am protecting the urn of the spoken tongue. In smuggling the lament, I am able to situate an event where the escapee, the deserted, the smuggler, and the fugitive can maintain their proximity to the ghosts that are a part of them. It is a means for approaching closeness. I am closer to you than I have ever been. Our collections still need homes. Or if not homes, then bodies and organs, spaces that have entries and exits, secure repositories that can metabolize these objects without necessarily protecting them from sight. As we move around, coordinating our actions, our behaviors, we tidy, we organize, we prepare, we work. We begin to articulate the process behind our compulsion to collect. But this does not answer where the collection lives, nor how it lives. So. To ask what it is to conduct a quiet, subtle practice is to ask how we take our conditioning, our awareness of the ghosts we are responsible for and the ghosts we are yet to be responsible for, and find ways to tend to them. It is to say that these collections are living organisms, growing and changing in the same manner as we do, tending to them so as to continuously remain in attention to our dead. In the act of care, we do not pretend that we are not fragile. But instead, allow fragile things to feel secure. Aware of the nature of this fragility, we also collect the gestures that can secure this space. 
Our archive is not made up of objects and things alone. It is made up of behaviors, of interactions, of spaces, of conversations, of matter that refuses to be recorded. The making of coffee, the lighting of candles, arriving with flowers, sweeping the floor, talking on the phone at scheduled times, secretive phrases, the flicking of our index finger on the lips, making tea at 3 p.m., tidying the kitchen cupboard, removing our shoes when entering the building, laying the table, small molecular labels that can be repeated wherever we go. Third of March, handwritten stains. I try to retouch them. They resist. All clothes resist change at some point. Every loose thread is an escape. Take your loose threads, put them to your ear. What do they say? I tear my garments for you before I enter the home. I have begun to stitch them together. Kariya before the Kaddish. Every piece of cloth is a body. Every shard of ash is a voice. 13th of March, 8.17 a.m. Grief disguises itself as a mystic, for it refuses the systematic logic of enlightenment. The suitcase you used to ask us about, the suitcase that was never opened, what was inside, what will we protect now all the photographs are stored in a cloud? What do we possess now that we elect not to possess anything? I am turning my body into a suitcase. Every time you call to talk, you can use me to store the secrets and revelations of your day there. Should a wave of grief overwhelm you, let it. I will carry it forever. I am a door, a window, the wind, the spade, the ear and the rock. We must refuse this desire to dispossess ourselves, letting these sonic and haptic materials become the possessors of our bonds. 21st of March, 9.01pm. One uneaten apple, one wooden paperweight, fragments of a broken glass frame, your favourite soup bowl, a polishing cloth, your glasses, the Turkish tea glass, stained, the box of matches, 55 burnt matches, Rapunzel sweets, an elastic band, a glass for drinking coffee, also stained by your lips, a set of keys, a simple drinking glass, a first edition copy of Head Process, envelopes addressed to your friend Suzanne, seven English copies of the trial. 12 tablecloths, four blue and white shirts, a block of paper, a pen, five five euro notes, 15 one euro coins, a leather wallet, a blanket, a suitcase, your high necklace, a watch with a broken face still ticking, a ring in the shape of a house, a toothbrush, a pocket knife from our short pilgrimage, and 45 burnt tea lights. 29th of March, 1.44am. We hurry our luggage into discreet corners of this site. 
The edges tremble with a nuanced dance between the elegance of minimal observances and the aspiration of abundance. We want it all. We do. The smuggler that Rogoff has kindly given us knows this but refuses it. Refuses the pressure of consumption and focuses on another desire. A desire for songs that are so quiet they are almost unheard. Songs that you only hear when you are wandering in migrant ways. Songs embedded in the walls and floors of spaces we pass between. I do not carry much on my person. I carry it in my person instead. Sweet orange to Yehuda, where Edmund takes a desert and says there will be no more deserts. In your mouth, coffee and chocolate become cake. And in your heart, a fool is the meal we have on Sundays. Here are all the questions. Here is a cave of answers. Here is my toolkit for taking what is in my body. Take this code. You need it now. I did not only smuggle these contrabanded litany of objects. I smuggle this guide to loss. Safe passage, my friend. <laughs>